0: new episode.
1: Holla and I Perch, you guys, we got Paul and Kristoff today. Um, we are actually both a little bit stuffed up, so bear with us here. Uh, we're both kind of getting over cold, ironically, even though we live 900 miles away, so um, bear with us here. I might sound a little bit stuffed up um, in comparison to usual, but what we are going to be talking about today is the general gist of micro and macronutrients. Um we wanted to preface, too, that we are not sports nutritionists. Um, we are not something uh, that we can necessarily write meal plans for or uh, come to for any sort of protocols for anything. Um, this is just a general overview of a little bit of everything. This is more just um, you know public knowledge and um, just general good um, rules of thumb and, and practices to implement into your food diet, especially if you're not working with a coach or something like that and you're kind of doing your own thing. Uh, we're going to be, um, kind of talking about that aspect of things today.
0: Yeah. And while, you know, some of you guys may have asked us for help in regards to diets, we can give advice, but everything that Paul and I, uh, provide for you guys should always be taken with a grain of salt, do your own Mm -hmm. research, figure out what is best suited for you. So that's kind of a uh, big thing to preface prior to today's episode, because, uh, We might get down into some specific stuff, uh, especially considering we might share our own uh, diets and whatnot. So if we do do that, don't just immediately hop on what we do because we have, you know, very tuned diets for what our goals are. So you need to uh, figure out first and foremost what the hell your fitness goal is before you start thinking about a uh, meal plan or diet or anything like that. Um, but in terms of, uh, yeah. And so you'll be hearing Paul and I clear our throats quite a bit today. Um, but, uh, in regards to what you're actually going to be taking a look at for, um, dieting and meal prep and just figuring out what food is, uh, you're going to be hearing two words, uh, macros and micros and if you know anything about word structure one of those is bigger than the other paul would you like to tell me which one is the bigger of the two <laughs>
1: um i mean okay <clears throat> that's a good question actually because you could look at it both ways so micronutrients is vitamins minerals um you know just general overall health as far as what your body needs uh in that aspect macros is your protein fats and carbs so i guess you could say that the gist of What most people look for in foods is macro typically, but you need to also take into account your micronutrients as well. Uh, If you're not getting the right amount of vitamins or uh, minerals or anything like that, it's going to be kind of hindering you um, in the gym. So uh, definitely got to keep that in mind. Macronutrients, um, we will be talking about the the three big ones, which is going to be protein, fats, and carbs. So we will be discussing all of that.
0: Yeah, and I was more so just making a joke off of uh you know s- uh, word structure and comparing the uh, Oh, yeah, macros of macro to micro. Yeah,
1: macro is technically the bigger <laughs> word, yeah.
0: Yeah. But uh that in itself kind of begins the conversation as well um because uh Paul just gave you a quick little breakdown of what each one is, but in terms of macros and micros, your body consumes uh needs to consume more macros, hence the You know, bigger word. Um, So when you heard Paul mention uh, proteins, carbs, and fats, uh, those are your big three. Um, And when we talk about tracking your foods, tracking your macros, uh, that's more or less what we mean uh, for you to be tracking. Um, So I guess a good way, a good place to start is just with a kind of basic um since our show is so focused on hypertrophy and that's building muscle while reducing fat in most cases uh the best kind of math equation or percentages for that particular realm of the fitness industry um so if you're focused on uh building muscle reducing fat uh generally, and again this is a generalized number that I'm about to throw at you guys it is not for um exact because everything is going to be different everybody is going to be different but uh 40% protein 30% carbs 30% fats um that's like a very very standard uh muscle building while losing fat uh diet number uh, in terms of how you break down your overall macros again That is a very generalized number Mm -hmm. you're going to tune it a lot more specifically than that. Um, Like mine does not run to that number. um, And I will explain why mine doesn't do that. But generally speaking, when you want to build muscle, lose some fat and just overall tone your body to look good. That's your kind of breakdown 40, 30, 30. Um, And that's when, Uh, tracking comes into place um so for anybody who has an iphone i'll i mean paul i'm sure you have one too but i'll share with you guys real Uh quickly a totally free app that you can use it's called my fitness pal you can track all your free or all your macros and your micros for free on that um, and they have basically every food known to man in their database this Mm -hmm. is not an advertisement this is purely Paul and I just giving you some information to help you in your journey, but start tracking your food y'all. It's, it's super important.
1: Yeah. You can also like scan barcodes and stuff like that. Right. Yep. Yeah. I I use it back in the day. um, Yeah. Yeah. The barcodes and the actual labels of the food, it'll, as long as it's in their system, it'll pull up and you can kind of put in like how much of whatever it is that you're eating. Um, It'll give you more information on it. But one thing to keep in mind for that general rule of thumb for the 40, 30, 30 is um, fats. So one thing I did want to mention today, this is a really good rule of thumb to keep in mind, is for every gram of protein, you got four calories. For every gram of carbs, you got four calories. But for fats, for every gram of fats, you got nine calories. So even though your carbs and your fats, you're looking for the same caloric intake as that rule of thumb goes – it's going to be significantly less actual grams of of fat in comparison to carbs because fats are much more calorically dense. So that's something to keep in mind because people say, oh, um, you know, I need to get the calories in and then just eat like half a tub of peanut butter. And it's like, you're not really getting quality calories, dude. You're just getting fat, really. And also another thing to preface too is that fat, nutri- nutrient fat, like nutritional fat does not directly translate to fat in your body. So it's not like you eat a, a tablespoon of peanut butter and it has like, I don't know, 20 grams of fat or something, let's just say, which is probably completely wrong. That's probably a full serving is 20 grams. But let's say it's 20 grams of fat, whatever you have. It's not like you add 20 grams of fat to your system. You know, you're not adding 20 fat twenty grams of fat to your belly. It's nutritional fat, much like how nutritional cholesterol doesn't directly affect your actual internal cholesterol. Um so when you have like cholesterol issues, for instance, you don't necessarily need to cut back entirely on cholesterol because dietary cholesterol doesn't necessarily mean it affects your cholesterol levels within your body. So that's something to keep in mind. Um but that's the biggest the, uh, focus That's mm-hmm. the
0: liver king theory. I, I'm yeah. gonna eat this raw liver and it's gonna go directly to my liver.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's all bullshit. Liver King is a Yeah, anyways. Um so Protein is going to be your main focus uh, in any sort of situation. The only time you're not going to have more proteins than anything else is if you're on an extremely hard bulk. Uh, You know, whether that's you're an advanced bodybuilder and you're going for, like, let's say, like a super heavyweight men's open, those guys, even though they're, like, let's say, 250 pounds, they got to eat like thousands of calories a day like five plus thousand calories, even approaching like 10,000 calories, depending on the bodybuilder. And a lot of that's going to be carbs to put on that weight. Um, But if you're um, on the lesser weight side, even though you're bulking, like you don't want to necessarily do a dirty bulk either. So that's something to keep in mind. I've always preached against dirty bulking um, just because for most people, it's very counterproductive. It puts on way too much fat. And then you're going to have to work twice as hard to get it off when you're cutting. So I'll always preach once you get to a good position uh, with your you know, metabolic rate and with your physique in general is to do a lean bulk and lean cut um, when you're going through bulking and cutting phases. So you know, typically that'd be like a few hundred calories more than your maintenance calories each day for lean bulk and then a few hundred calories less than your maintenance calories for your lean cut. So that'll keep you relatively lean for the most part year round, but also at the same time, you're not putting on too much weight or taking off too much weight at the same time. So let's say you're going for like a show or something like that. In my world, if you're going to be doing a lean bulk, that sets you up for a better position to start your cut going into your show because you're not going to be fat. You know, you're not going to be like bloated and just full of water and fat uh, going into your cut, which then you have to go twice as hard and super harsh on the body. To then get down to lean so it's something to keep in mind is um if you can't put on the weight you just need to eat more as a general rule of thumb but also don't eat to the point where uh you're putting on way more fat than anything else so keep be careful of that and understand your maintenance calories and kind of build off of that
0: yeah and that's kind of where my big big side of things comes in because Uh, as we've shared in the past on previous episodes. I was but a wee skinny lad. I mean, I'm still not out of the skinny world yet, but I come from the skinny world background. The high, um, uh, wow, words. Um, Why am I? Total brain fart. Um, Metabolism. There we go. High metabolism um, and it's very hard for me to put on uh, size. Uh, and so you heard dirty and clean bulk. Also lean bulking is the other way of saying clean bulk, but um, Paul was talking about that and he's right because if you take that dirty bulk approach, like let's say you eat fast food for, you know, every single one of your meals, you are going to get, you know, your calorie surplus that you're looking for, but it's going to be, <laughs> your body's going to hate you for it. Like if you, if you eat like, you know, Wendy's three times a day, which, you know, I understand is convenient, especially in this world where you're probably working 12 hour days or something like that, where you have these long, long hours tastes so Um, good too. It does. Yeah. And that makes it all the more harder to stay away from it. Um, but if you do that every single day, Your body's just not going to like you, especially it's going to start clogging up your cardiovascular system just with the amount of, uh, packed on fat that gets stored in there. So you put yourself at serious health risks when you do a, you know, true dirty bulk. Um, but when you, uh, focus on having a calorie surplus, which is eating more calories, uh, than, uh, your maintaining weight amount. Um, if you consume more than that, in in addition to whatever you burn off during your workouts, uh, that is how you will begin to add size. And, um, you've heard Paul say it to me in the past, just eat more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and that really at the end of the day is what you need to do when you have a situation like mine. If you have a fast acting metabolism, if you, um, are very, uh, intense with your workouts and you still want to gain size. You just need to be eating more. Um, mm-hmm. and that's just super important to keeping yourself positive in the gym too. Cause it can be hard to, you know, continue working when you don't see results, but it could be self, you know, triggered because you're not consuming the amount of calories you should. Um, for example, uh, I have it right here in front of me. I have, (laughs) I put in a calculator. Uh, You can find these on literally any Google search. If you have an app, you can do that as well, but literally just calorie calculator and uh, taking a look at what I need to for my particular, because you input your weight, your height, uh, your um, fitness experience. And in order for me to uh, just maintain weight, so that's not losing, that's not gaining, just maintaining weight. It's coming in at 3,500 calories, which is for the average adult. You know, that's like a fast, fast weight gain because <laughs> most people will go off like 2,000,
1: 2,500. Yeah, um, the daily recommended intake from FDA is 2,500 calories for grown adult men.
0: Yeah, so I've got basically a, a grand of uh, calories on them just to maintain. So that's what I mean with my fast acting metabolism and my, uh, regiment for my workout cycle. So in order to meet that, you know, you just got to eat so much. And if you think, if you're in a skinny position and you think that you've eaten enough, if you haven't pushed yourself to the point of wanting to throw up while you're eating, you have not eaten enough, (laughs) Yeah, and that's that just force feeding. Wrap, yeah, that could be a very tough thing to wrap your mind around. Like, mm-hmm. just pushing it down.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because like it. I mean, for me, I'm I'm not. My metabolism fluctuates with the amount of food I'm eating. So, if I'm bulking, then my metabolism speeds up so that I can eat more food. Right now, I'm in a relatively lean cut, so my body has slowed down its metabolism so that I'm not so like starving all the time, because if I did have a very fast metabolism, uh, you know, I'd be, my stomach could be growling and not even an hour after eating. Um, but at least it's not to the point where, um, it's, you know, my stomach's growling going into every meal, but yeah, it, when it comes to having a fast metabolism, you need to just eat. And I've said that to you, off, like back in the day, like, especially when you're starting out, you're like, Hey, how do I gain more weight? How do I gain more weight? And I'm like, look, dude, you just got to eat. And you're like, shit, <laughs> damn it. And it's the reality. You just gotta eat. And if you're not like force feeding sucks, don't get me wrong. I've been in those positions before where I've had to force feed and eat to the point where I'm almost throwing up and then keep eating. But you just gotta do that. That's how you put on the weight, you know? Um, especially if you have a fast metabolism, if you're on the skinnier side, trying to put on the actual weight. Uh, if you're, you know, trying to bulk up in any sort of sense, then you're probably gonna have to force feed at least a little bit on the bigger meals. So it's, it's not fun, but you just got to do it. That's how, that's how it works. You just got to do it.
0: And I think another important thing to kind of note for just our anecdotal sides on this conversation, um, Paul obviously comes from the bodybuilding world where he's going through bulks and cuts pretty routinely throughout the year. Um, yes. But for my side of things, as I'm not in the fitness or I'm not in the bodybuilding world, and I also you know, fight that metabolism every day. I'm not going to different bulk and and cut phases. I'm just on a perma bulk, but my, my bulk is a very clean bulk. So what I mean by that is that I focus on building size while maintaining my lean look. So I make sure that I'm, I keep visible abs. Uh, That's a big one, which is tough to do when in a normal, in a normal bulk, you actually sacrifice having any kind of
1: typically specific tone
0: yeah yeah generally speaking you give up any kind of toned look to add on that size um so oh yeah and i paul you've even mentioned in the in the past how you just like day by day see your abs just disappear
1: on a. it sucks so bad because i'm i'm like the way my body reacts to food i'm really like so there's i want to also mention this get that whole like ectomorph endomorph mesomorph bullshit out of your head that's just like a generalization of what type of body you have. Uh, so kind of get that out of your head because everybody's different. You can't really generalize your body in any particular sense. Um, there are people who are going to have much faster metabolism that require much more food to put on weight, but then you're going to have dudes who put on weight like as nothing, but then have such a problem taking it off. So Just keep in mind that your body's going to react differently to everything that everybody else does. Mine is another example of that because I don't really fit into any one particular of those categories because uh, I put on weight, I can take off weight. But my problem is, is that uh, I'm very, very carb sensitive. My entire body is very, very carb sensitive, very, very blood glucose sensitive. So my blood glucose levels really need to be monitored pretty consistently um, my new meal plan I just got for my coach actually requires me to increase my monitoring of my blood glucose instead of once a week. Um, it's actually now every three days because my body is so carb sensitive. So everybody's body is going to be a little bit differently just because, oh, I'm a ectomorph. So I can't put on weight. And I just like, it's get that out of your head because that's it. You're just generalizing yourself. You need to put in the effort in order to get to that point, uh, of actually putting on weight. And, um, you know, somebody uses like, let's say like David Lade for an example of like an ectomorph or whatever the hell it is. I always forget them where he just can't put on weight. It's such horse shit that he says he can't put on weight because you can absolutely put on weight. There are supplements to put on weight. There are food to put on weight. You just eat more, literally just fucking eat more. And they're like, Oh, he eats like 6,000 calories a day. I don't give a shit. Just eat more. That's the reality. It doesn't matter how much you're eating. If you're not getting weight, you need to eat more. And then the same thing with your cutting, if you're not cutting, you need to reevaluate whatever you're doing. You know, for me, um, I'm at like give or take maybe 2000 to 2200 calories right now with a very heavy focus on protein. So like I would say at least 60% of that is protein for me. So, um, with that being said, it's not like I can all of a sudden just cut out 500 calories and keep losing weight. That's going to be like dangerously low amount of caloric intake. So cutting is not as simple as bulking for that particular reason. Bulking just comes down to you're not eating enough. Uh, You need to eat more. You need to eat more, eat more protein, eat more carbs, you know, have a cheat meal every three or four days or something like that. Um, Have a refeed once a week on top of the cheat meals, stuff like that is what's going to get you to that point. But uh, everybody's body is a little bit different. So you can't don't generalize your body is really what i wanted to say with this with this kind of rant here um but you need to learn how your body reacts too. another thing to keep in mind um christoph is at this point now um i've been at this point for a while is that you consistency is key and you don't really know how your body reacts to anything unless you're consistent for a little while uh you know let's say like a month you're consistently on a meal plan for a month then you can kind of know how your body reacts if you change something uh so if you Edit the carbs, or increase the protein, or take out some fats. You'll notice how your body reacts. So that's why consistency is key. Is because you will really truly know how your body reacts to everything, including micronutrients. I mean, I know dudes who are whose bodies are so particular they'll notice when they're not taking in enough micronutrients, whether that's vitamins or fish oils or whatever the hell it is. At the end of the day, I kind of think it's like a little pseudoscience there. Like, oh, I don't. I can feel my vitamin D isn't 100%. It's like, eh, okay, sure.
0: Insert insert cringy pickup line about vitamin D. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, for real. And it's like, eh, I don't know about that. But um, you should notice at least the difference in macronutrients, the difference in your body makes uh, when you're consistent with your macros, and then you edit that. So- something to keep in mind because people say, Oh, I'm not getting weight. I'm not changing or anything like that. And I don't know what's the problem. And it's like, when you really dissect what the issue is, they're not consistent. They're having random stuff here and there, drinking alcohol, um, going out to parties and stuff like that. And it's like, you can have fun, especially if you're in the lifestyle world where you're not trying to become like a bodybuilder, powerlifter, Olympic lift or any, anything along those lines. If you are just doing it for lifestyle, obviously have fun with what you're doing, you know, drink on the weekends here and there and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if you really want to make changes, you have to be as consistent as possible. Um, you know, for let's say like you're, you want to drink on the weekends, but you want to keep the the lean lifestyle that you've been kind of keeping, then just have like vodka mixed with like zero sugar Sprite or something like that. And, you know, if you don't like vodka, then, you know, swap it out for gin or something like that. Just go for like a lower calorie option, or you can do like seltzers or something instead of like carb heavy beers or IPAs and stuff like that. Um, it's something to keep in mind as far as actual lifestyle goes. Uh, obviously when you're in, you know, when you're pursuing bodybuilding, it's, it's going to require a lot more out of that. You know, I don't drink at all. I don't party. I don't go to clubs or anything like that. Um, it, it kind of does weigh on my relationships with people, which kind of sucks. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what it takes for me to get to that level is to be as consistent as possible um granted you know you're gonna have slip-ups you're gonna have times where you have bites of things here and there you're you're human you know keep that in mind the only time that i think that you have to kind of remove yourself from being human in a sense is when you're cutting for a show talk to anybody who's cutting for a show and you basically have to become a robot and you know i've i've gone through phases where leaning out with food like you don't even look at food as like food anymore it's it's all about energy it's fuel like you if you get consistent enough and especially when you're cutting you're going to look at food as just being able to stay awake or food as fu- like literally fueling your gym workout like i can tell the difference when i'm on a lean cut or like when I'm cutting down and i'm consistent with it and on point with my meal plans and my workouts and stuff that I can literally feel my body change when I get a meal down. You know, when I eat carbs, I can literally feel my energy increase. Uh, it's the weirdest feeling because it, it's not something I can't exactly explain. But, you know, Chris Bumstead just recently posted a video where he's talking about, um, I, I don't know, It was on, I think I saw it on TikTok or something, but he... Like was talking about when he's he's cutting right now for the Olympia. The Olympia is only in, really in a couple of weeks, two to three weeks, so he's pretty close to it being out. He, this is like a week ago that I saw this, and he's like, he's like, when you're cutting for the Olympia, he said black coffee. He said tastes amazing. No matter what coffee you're having, tastes amazing. You put mustard on your food; it's like a gourmet meal at that point. And then he he added something else too. Um, I forget what else he added. He said something else and he said, you get, you combine all these three and you're in heaven. And it's like, that's literally how it gets. Like you get so, if you get so consistent, even I'm not even a fan of mustard. I don't even like mustard, but when I get consistent enough, you know, and you start like, uh, January this year, I had the goal of no seasoning and no sauces on anything right. From, for as long as I can go, I went about three to four weeks of that. And then I put mustard on my chicken and rice and holy shit was I in heaven that tasted so damn good, even though I hate mustard. So um, something to keep in mind is that consistency is going to be key no matter what you're doing with your body. Um, you know, lifestyle, obviously, like I said, just be a little bit lenient with it um, because you're not prepping for a show. You're not trying to look diced at the absolute gills, but you know, you're going to learn more about your body if you're consistent than if you're not consistent. So definitely wanted to express that.
0: Well, I think keeping the consistency in the, uh, just lifestyle fitness is really beneficial because, uh, when you, uh, let's say for like example, for me, I have, I eat the same exact thing every single day. Um, or for my, you know, first four meals, I'll say the same thing every day. My, my last two is where it kind of changes up, but, uh, at least for the first four meals, I'm eating the exact same thing every single day. and. I know exactly my average energy level going into my... Because my gym sessions are mid to late afternoon gym sessions. So because of the consistency that I have within my diet, I know more or less exactly how hard I can push myself in the gym. And we are back. A little bit of technical difficulties. But yes, uh, we're discussing how... uh, or I was just discussing how with my first four meals, it is the exact same every single day. Um, and I can build into exactly what I'm eating for the first four meals, uh, in a sec, just cause that's beneficial as well. But, uh, for the most part, I know exactly the amount I'm able to push myself in the gym. Um, I know that if I want to have a longer gym sesh, like say, for example, um, I've had a mentally tough day and I know I'm just going to want to stay in the gym for multiple hours at end. I know that I'm going to need to supplement that. So have some kind of a uh, energy booster in the middle of the workout or take a break. And before I go back into it, or do something along those lines in order to supplement myself into being able to push myself further. But once you build that consistency within your diet, you're able to build a better consistency within your workout regimen. And I think that's a huge thing that people need to really understand because if you're consistently in the gym, but you're not able to consistently uh, like achieve what you want to do in the gym, it is nine times out of 10 linked to your diet. Like you're just not having what you should be doing.
1: Yeah. I always say a good rule of thumb as far as like how, how much your food affects you is 70%. So it's going to be 70% food. 30% 30% training. Uh, I think that's a good rule of thumb. I don't exactly know. I don't remember exactly where I heard that, but I do know that uh, that's kind of how I look at it myself. So you could be doing like like the best, like you could be so regimented in the gym that you've nailed your logbook. You'd be hitting exactly what you need to for weights and sets uh, and reps and everything for every single workout. You'd be dialed into the nines. But at the same time, if you're at that level, you say you get hundred percent of your actual results out of the gym. That's only 30% really of your results potential. The other 70% is going to be your food. It's all about the food. And like, I always think it's funny when, uh, especially when it comes to abs, dudes are like, Oh, what do you do for abs? Like, I mean, not asking me cause don't got the best abs, but like dudes will be online talking about like what to do for abs and stuff like that. What movements to train. And it's like, the best abs in the world. I like some of the best abs ever, never even train abs. Like, mm-hmm. let's say like Urz, Urz, who's a, um, he's a uh, classic physique competitor in bodybuilding. He competes on the Olympia level. I follow him on Instagram and he was at, he said, ask me questions and I'll answer them. It was like, it's off the air or something. And somebody said, what do you do for abs? And he said, he doesn't even train them. Like when you, when you really look at like what your abs are, it's just core stabilization by doing legs, by doing back, by doing really any other movement, your, your abs are going to build. You might need to do like a movement here and there, like every other day, but abs are 100% made in the kitchen. It's going to just come down to simply pulling the fat off of your belly in order to see your abs. And I mean, granted dudes like, uh, you know, who are in strongman competitors and power lifters and stuff like that, they might need to hit abs separately in order to have the core stabilization that they need to lift heavy weights. But if you're just going for a lifestyle or bodybuilding or something like that, you really don't need to train the shit out of your abs. It's not the reality. Like you don't really need to hit hypertrophy with your abs because most, most people can even get their belly lean enough to even see abs. So just by training abs, hypothetically, you're going to build up your muscle bellies and your abs, which is just going to put your, push your fat out even further. Um, which I know some people are saying, oh, that's bro science, not hundred percent, but uh, you know, that's the way I see it is that if you don't, if you can't even see your abs because your fat levels, why are you training 30 minutes of abs every single day? You don't need to do that. What you need to do is you need to focus on getting your abs or your actual trunk fat percentage down. Um, so that's why, you know, Christoph was mentioning earlier that when you're doing bulk and cutting cycles, you're gonna, your abs are going to come and go, come and go. Um, especially if you put your fat in your belly for myself, I put a lot, my body puts a lot of its fat in. My lower belly and my hips. So for me, I can really tell when I'm getting lean when my abs start to show up. Some people uh, that I know off the top of my head, their abs are there year round, but they have fat elsewhere. Um, you know, their their fat might be stored in their arms, for instance, or in their lats or something like that. You know, so we all have our bodies are a little bit different. So for me, like I might have vascularity in my chest or in my arms, in my legs, like pretty much year round, but I'm not going to have abs. So you need to keep that in mind. Uh, don't judge your leanness entirely based off of abs because abs are very difficult to get for a lot of us, and so you're going to need to really push yourself hard in order to get abs. You know, to that to the degree that you want them, and you don't need to train all day for abs. So I'm going to push back a
0: bit on that just because. Yeah. Um, The way I view, I I view abs for two reasons. One, obviously being able to see them, like having visible abs is one of the most, you know, like gratifying things you can have from the gym world. Absolutely. Uh, But I think that depending on what your job is and what your outside lifestyle is. I think training abs, like overtraining them almost is beneficial for whatever you're doing. So I I say that coming from an athletic perspective. So between my different sports that I routinely play, so between my softball, basketball, um, golf, uh, between all of those, um, I put a lot of strain on my balance and I put a lot of strain on my core strength just from the different movements that are required for those sports. So I o- overtrain my abs because then I know when I'm in a situation like that I'm able to compete at the highest ability that I'm able to do. So that's the only reason why I push back on lifestyle or your your stance on how lifestyle doesn't need to train it as as much. Like you said, like thirty minutes a day. I average uh, I do it four times a week for uh, probably I mean probably a little under half hour, but. Uh, I hit that one because you know that's the combo I've built like the, I've that's the routine that I've developed that I know will produce visible abs but also um, because I know that when I'm in a situation for my lifestyle so whether that's my sports uh, also <laughs> in my job I mean I teach but there's sometimes I gotta be able to you know take care of some situations in the school but um, generally speaking, I use my core strength a lot for those reasons. So that's why I tend to g- encourage people in the lifestyle side of things to tr- like train it three, four times a week. But that's also not discrediting the kitchen part because 100, I mean, I can't say a hundred percent, but 70% of core and abs is absolutely in the kitchen. And you can't, that, that, that part, I will never dispute. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, I could see it being useful for, for sports, like having good abdominal section, having strong oblique stuff like that for, for sports. But for when I say lifestyle or bodybuilding, I guess I should preface that by saying aesthetically, if you're just going solely for aesthetics um, and not for performance, like myself, I'm, I, I don't care about performance, at least for me. Um, That's when you don't really need to train the shit out of abs. Um, And on top of that, if you're going for aesthetics, you don't even want to train obliques. Your obliques are just going to widen your actual waist typically and kind of take away from your overall V look that your your shoulders to your waist ratio is going to give. So I, I guess I could speak from an aesthetic point of view that you don't need to train abs ridiculously hard. You know, um, for me, my my biggest thing is just training lower abs because my upper abs are there. But my lower abs are always the hardest to show through. So the most I ever really do is like some sort of leg raise or knee raise or something like that in order to build up my lower abs a little bit more. But aesthetically, you don't need to train the shit out of your abs. Um, Much like uh, the approach that a lot of people have for calves is just training the shit out of them. But I think that you need to kind of train, for instance, like calves, like shoulders, where you want to pump as much blood through as possible and just go for like a gnarly pump in order to really build it up. Um, and I know this kind of trails off of food in a sense, but um, that's just the same kind of you know mindset that I'm trying to portray at least is that abs for the most part, I, I argue at least 90% you said 70, I argue at least 90% is going to be made in the kitchen. Um, Just because most people can't even get lean enough to get to abs. Uh, It is kind of abnormal nowadays to have abs, no pun Mm -hmm. intended. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's weird though, too, because when you, when you, like, when I started with my coach, like you get used, like I didn't, I've never had abs in my entire life when I started with my coach and then, you know, We had, we had the goal of that June the following year. So that was seven, eight, nine months to get to abs, which we ended up hitting. And it's, it's a weird thing to get to abs because it just becomes normal. And like having abs for an an extended period of time, it's just like, it becomes normal and that's just the reality. So it's weird to like, it's such a mind over matter kind of thing to like lose your abs after you're used to having abs all the time and being comfortable with your shirt off. Because at the time when I did have abs then, um, I mean, I've had abs a few times since then, but at that time I had abs for so long that I was getting used to them. And then when I started to bulk up again, they were disappearing. And that was such a hard thing to watch disappear because I was so comfortable with my shirt off and um, like wanted almost opportunities to take my shirt off because I was so proud to have abs and I got so used to them, you know, having the fat put on it sucks. It's such a hard thing to go through. And you talk to anybody who's lean, who's gotten like dice of the gills for a show and then to then put on more fat, uh, from dietary, you know, avenues, especially when it comes to rebounding out after a show, it's so hard, like mind, you know, mentally to get through that. So, um, you know, all of this plays into how you treat your food and how you look at food, because at the end of the day, you're gonna typically for them, for I, I would say the majority of people, um, I think Christoph, you're kind of the exception here um, is that for most people you're gonna put on fat excessively when you put on weight. Um, you know you're going when you eat a lot of food, you're gonna put on a lot of fat. Uh, so it's it's gonna be something that's hard to watch and you're gonna feel like you're kind of it's it's kind of kind of productive but at the same time, it's really not. You got to trust the process. You got to trust that. There we go. There's the there's the words my coach says all the time. Trust the process. Mm-hmm. You got to trust the process because at the end of the day, uh, you're going to get to the point where you want to get to. And you just need to know that there's going to be times where you don't look the best and there's going to be times where you don't feel the best, but your food is going to reflect what you're trying to do. And, you know, you need to trust that your body's going to to go through the changes that you need to go through. If you're bulking and you're gaining fat, just trust that down the road, you're going to have more muscle when you're lean than you did the last time you were lean. That's as far as bulking and cutting phases go. So that's something you got to keep in mind. Um, You know, sometimes like for me, I mean, I'm like, my abs are eh, a little bit showing here and there, but uh, when I get to my next cut, even though right now I'm like about 200 pounds, my last weight was 200 pounds. Once I get to my next cut, if I drop that 10 pounds, especially when it comes to water weight, I'll be looking much better than I did the last time I looked 190. When I looked 190 the last time I had abs, but because I've put on so much more muscle and weight overall since then, once I get to that point, I'm going to be much bigger than I was at that time. Um, you know, in, in, that's going to come with muscle maturity and muscle density and all of that. So you got to keep – you got to trust the process and you need to know that your food is is the way it is for a reason. And if you're not getting the results you want to get, you need to reevaluate whether that's eating more or eating less. And, you know, if you – like for someone like me, I have a coach that writes all my meal plans. He just recently sent me a new update yesterday. So, uh, you know, it changes from time to time. Christoph, you, you manage your own food your own way. So you know, using the you know My Fitness Pal, I think it was right. Yep. From I think it was from Under Armour or Jordan or whatever. Maybe it's Under Armour. One of the right? brands. I forget One of the what brands. brand has it. I think it's um, Jordan
0: because it's the uh, Jumpman logo.
1: Yeah. You know. So I think that's Jordan, which is what isn't Jordan technically under Adidas or something? Anyways, that's he's with the, Nike. Nike. Okay, so it's under Nike technically. So um, that's besides the point. But what I'm saying is that no matter what your process is. need to reevaluate it. For me, my coach writes those plans for me. So in a sense, that kind of takes the stress off of me. All I have to do is what he says to do. Um, but if you're writing your own meal plan, you know, there is potential to, uh, take a look at what you're doing and change it up. I also recommend to people, you know, maybe talk to a local nutritionist or talk to a local, you know, uh, bodybuilding coach, you know, have, see if they can like, Cause a lot of coaches will kind of reevaluate your meal plan for you, write a new meal plan. You can pay them like a hundred bucks or something and then just go with that. You know what I mean? So like you don't have to stick with a coach 24 seven, like I do in order to make progress. Sometimes some people will just rewrite it for you and say, Hey, this is what I think you need to do in order to gain weight. Or like you might need to pay for like, let's say like eight weeks or something with a coach and they'll reevaluate, see what, how your body responds to things and then write your new meal plan. And then you just, you just move on. So that's something also to keep in mind. But apps like MyFitnessPal um, are a good, you know, resource to use. Uh, Blueprint, I think it is, written by Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's also a good um, book to read in regards to nutrition. Uh, you know, even getting like certified in like personal training and stuff, like a certification, NASM certification, they'll go over the general idea of food and what to recommend to people. And that's essentially kind of where we're coming from today. Is we're not going to be writing meal plans for anybody. We're not going to be so particular on what you should be eating that we're going to be telling people what to do. This is just a general idea of like what recommend, what we can recommend to you. So we will be diving more into, um, what macronutrients means for each thing, what protein is, what carbs is, what fats is, because when you understand a generalization of everything, you can kind of get an idea of what you need to be changing up in your actual plan. So, Um, if Kristoff didn't understand what carbs were, or if he didn't understand what protein was, it'd be much more hard or much harder for him to, uh, write his plan or to change anything up. So that's something to keep in mind is that the more knowledge you have, the better off you're going to be in the future. And that's kind of the approach that I took with my coach is that I started with him as young as I could, because then I can set myself up for the future. So if you put in the work now, you're not going to need to put in the work later. So, um, we'll be going over that in just a few minutes at least.
0: Yeah, and to kind of <clears throat> add on to that, um a little bit side note though. I finally on t- this morning's weigh-in eclipsed the 200 mark first time since I h- had covid cuz I dropped so much weight from that covid time, so we are very hyped to see that. Um
1: You're what, 6'4" though, right? 6'4",
0: yep. Yeah, so, so keep
1: so let's preface that, guys. <laughs> yeah. Cuz 200 on a guy who's 6'4" is going to be very different than a guy who's 5'10". So I, I mean, even say. Yeah, even a couple of inches difference, the weight is gonna play such a different role. So I'm 200 and I'm I'm about six foot. In the ballpark of 5'11, six foot. He's 2064 6'4. We have completely different looks. So keep that in mind. Cause dudes will be talking about their weight and it's like, okay, but what's your height? Like dudes would be yeah. like, oh, I'm like 180 and they look huge. But it's like, okay, how tall are you? Like five six. Well, there it is, bro. Uh-huh. You're short like you're kind of short. Like not like short as hell, but like, you're kind of short, so of course, one eighty is gonna look fucking huge on you in comparison to somebody else. like like um, gosh, what's his name? I could the the giant killer on Instagram, I forget his name. his nickname is the giant killer. I'll look it up in a minute. He's like five four and he's beating like enormous dudes in the Olympia stage like on two twelve because he's so small, but because he's so small the amount of weight he can put on for 212, like, he just looks massive for his height. So you got to keep that in mind, is that your height is going to play such a role in what your weight yep. is going to look like on you. So wanted to say that real quick. Didn't mean to interrupt.
0: <laughs> you're good. Yeah, no, that's actually uh, that's actually a really good point, though, because when you're up in a couple weeks and we're going to take shots, obviously, with each other, yep. um, it's going to be really interesting to post those because we're going to be basically... But more or less, probably in a couple of weeks, still the same weight.
1: And well, I mean, I'm hoping to be, be around 195. A... If I can okay. be 195 or less, I'll be pretty happy.
0: Yeah. But I mean, five pounds, give or take, like pro- still ballpark. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, our completely different frames look. <laughs> um, yeah, but, very different. Uh, basically, uh, what Paul was kind of leading into there was just understanding what your uh three macros are um and that's kind of i mean it's it's very important to understand it's like how we've talked about in the past how when you're just in the gym just understanding your muscle groups and understanding how to activate them with different exercises is arguably more important than actually doing the exercise like you need to understand and build that mind muscle connection uh so you can build an understanding of your Uh, intake as well in order to build um, a more consistent routine. So protein is, we talked about the 40-30-30 split, which is, again, a general split. Do not take that to heart. It is a general split. But the 40-30-30 means you're intaking more protein than anything else. And protein in its absolute bare bone nature, so this is the most simplified answer i can give and again neither paul or i are nutritionists what we are giving you is our understanding and our own uh research of what all these are but protein is the macro responsible for rebuilding the torn tissues that you uh or torn muscles that you uh do during a workout so for example if you think about a bicep and you do a, variations, a variation of different curls and different exercises to tear both your long head and short head on your bicep. You have torn tissues, torn muscles within your bicep and you consuming a high protein diet. So the 40, 30, 30 split means you are intaking more protein than anything else. But if you have an even more aggressive protein split um, or just in general consuming a lot of protein, that leads to muscle regeneration, repairing, and building of the tissues, which is uh, muscle hypertrophy. Um, And so at a very basic, again, very basic level, obviously there's some science nerd pushing his glasses back preparing to take me to town on this, but uh, in a very general basic sense, protein is the macro responsible for repairing your um, muscles as you tear them um, and protein is, uh, naturally occurring in so many clean foods. So, uh, Paul and I eat a ton of meat and meat just is your go-to for protein. So your chicken, your steaks, uh, fish, eggs, eggs are huge. Um, but combining all of those, uh, into a very high protein diet, 40-30-30 is a good split. Uh, mine is a little bit lower than that, but again, we'll build into why that is. But um, protein just allows your torn muscles to uh, be repaired and build up more. Um, do you want to add anything to that though, Paul?
1: Yes, yes, definitely. So um, we're talking from you know the, the hypertrophy side of things. Obviously, protein is going to play a, bigger, a different role in different aspects of life. Um, if you're trying to recover from some sort of illness, protein is going to play a role in that. Uh, if you're trying, you know, just general sort like essentially like survival, like what you just generally need is going to be a different rule of thumb for, for protein. Um, you know, it's gonna be lower. Uh, so if you're not participating in, in exercise or, you know, uh, fitness or anything like that, sports, you're, you don't need as much protein or really as much ca- calories in general as Um, anybody who is participating in fitness, but um, something to also understand is that the basic building blocks of protein is amino acids. So amino acids, you're going to see people recommend like uh, BCAAs and EAAs um, when you're talking about um, amino acids. BCAAs and EAAs are not scientifically proven to actually benefit for certain. So the three three, um, main supplements that people... that that have been scientifically proven, which we've talked about before is protein, glutamine, and creatine. Glutamine and creatine are also amino acids. They are different building blocks of protein. So something to keep in mind is that when you're looking at, let's say like a tub of protein powder, you need to also look at the contents of the amino acids within the protein tub, because especially recently, uh, over the past, like five, six years, we've seen more and more increase in actual fillers in protein powders than we have ever seen before. What I mean by fillers is typically what they would do, these companies will get like, let's say like 20 grams of protein of actual whey protein, um, which is going to be a mixture of different uh, amino acids. So, but typically when you get a protein tub, they want to sell it at 25 grams per scoop or more. So that extra five grams, they'll throw in a filler like creatine cause, because creatine is technically an amino acid, which is technically a protein. So they say, oh, it's five grams of creatine, which then means five grams of protein. That's not really how your body uses creatine as far as you know, actual amino acids and building blocks goes for protein. So keep that in mind when you're looking at supplements like protein. But the main amino acids that you want to look for in tubs of protein outside of whole foods, obviously whole foods, you want to stick to like Um, generally good food meals, like, uh, chicken breast, you want to stick to lean beef. Like if you're going to eat beef, go for like 95 or 99% beef, um, steak, like
0: 100%.
1: (laughs) Yeah. If that was a thing or if it is, it's going to be expensive as hell. Um, but, uh, also go for like steaks. Uh, I mean, obviously the fat content in steaks is going to, change generally. Um, but lean, stick to leaner steaks that are micronutrient dense, obviously don't get something like London broil or something like that, thinking that it's going to be the best steak you can get. Um, but like a sirloin is going to be pretty good for that. So outside of whole foods, when we're talking about protein powders, you got, you want to look for the main amino acids within the tubs. There's nine of them. Um, obviously they're kind of hard to remember but a good mixture of them, a good blend. Obviously each amino acid is going to change from company to company where, wherever they're sourcing the actual whey protein from because these protein companies aren't making whey themselves. Typically, they get it from, let's say, like cheese manufacturers or something like that. You know, they get the whey byproduct and then they they form it into a powder form in order to put it in the protein powder. So the nine amino acids you're looking for is histidine, tryptophan, sorry, uh yeah, histidine, isoleucine leucine, lysine, methionine, phenylalanine, threonine, tryptophan, and valine. Obviously, those are those a are pretty, pretty big mouthful, but those are the essential building blocks for protein that your body's going to be u- utilizing. So when people talk about BCAAs and EAAs, branched-chain amino acids are basically the three main let me look up exactly what amino acids they are made up of. Um, they're the three main pro, uh, amino acids that essentially make up protein. Um, let me see the exact ones. So they're going to be isoleucine, leucine, and valine or valine, whatever you, however you want to pronounce it. it. Is going to be what BCAAs are. So if you're going to take anything amino acid built like BCAAs, I always recommend against BCAAs because they're going to be so generally like hit or miss. Your body's either going to react to them well, or you're not going to react to them at all. EAAs is what I recommend to most people. It's going to be a little more expensive, granted, but EAAs are going to have those nine essential amino acids. And the way that these work versus whey protein, the way that the amino acids, they're they're put in the actual supplement separately from the actual whey protein. So it's the individual amino acids that is essentially filtered out and how this works is going to help with recovery. So it's not going to be like, you know, you're not going to actually like rebuild your muscles with the amino acid, but it's going to help with, um, it's going to help what I've seen is from other people. I I used to be able to react to BCAAs. I don't really react to them anymore, but, um, you're going to see like, uh, less soreness. You're going to see like a little bit more energy. Out of your actual workout sometimes, especially if you're using it pre-workout or intra-workout, you're going to see a little bit more energy um, as far as endurance goes. Uh, And then you're going to feel a little bit better as far as soreness goes. So that's really what you're going to get out of those. But protein is made up of those nine amino acids that I listed just a minute ago, which is going to be histidine, isoleucine, leucine, lysine, uh, methionine, phenylalanine, threonine, tryptophan, and valine. Uh, Those are what you're going to look for in protein powders. If the protein powder is listing creatine and glutamine as part of the protein um, actual synthesis, then you're not going to be getting the full protein amount that you want. Um, So something to keep in mind, creatine and glutamine are also amino acids. So we've talked about it before. Creatine is going to help with general muscle building um, as far as strength goes, as far as putting on better, uh, more dense muscle over time. So creatine is one of the ones that has been scientifically proven to actually work well for the general population. Glutamine is the reverse of that. It's going to help with recovery. It's going to help with soreness. It's going to help with um, general well-being when it comes to fitness. That's also been scientifically proven. But then on the other hand, you got protein. So those three supplements are all separate. If they are not advertising creatine or glutamine as an ingredient in it, and simply just putting it as part of the protein compound, then you're not getting the full protein amount. So that's something to keep in mind. That's something I want to add to what you were saying, Christoph, because um, people forget that amino acids are the building blocks of uh, protein. And BCAAs and EAAs are such like very, very anecdotal. And there's nothing really ever proven about them just because it's so variable between each person. So something to keep in mind.
0: Tell me why I have Bill Nye in my head saying amino acids are the building blocks of protein.
1: There's something to keep in mind. <laughs> if, that's, if that's what you remembered, then keep that in mind. Use Bill Nye as your as your your go-to for, for amino Bill, acids.
0: Bill, Bill, Bill. <laughs> um, I think also a pretty interesting point right there is the comparison between the lifestyle fitness world and the bodybuilding world because my understanding of protein... Is far different than the uh, super detailed description that Paul just provided. So while we both have a very good understanding of you know what goes into our diets and what our macros and micros are, I think it's pretty uh, interesting to point out the just the way we described it and how. Uh, different that is and if you are considering the the bodybuilding lifestyle you have to be prepared to go balls deep into that kind of um knowledge-based uh understanding so
1: at least have a coach that has that understanding yeah like me (laughs) i'm not an expert in food but my coach is for sure (laughs) uh
0: when it comes to uh bcaas though uh just anecdotally i've never really you know, had a good connection with it. I took it, uh, consistently probably about half a year ago and just didn't really, it it didn't really provide what I was looking for out of it. And so I just kind of dropped it off because that's just (laughs) money being wasted at that point. Like when you figure out that's another part of this too. Like when we talk nutrition and supplements and all this stuff, like Mm -hmm. it, it costs, it costs money to take care of yourself in this way. And like, it subs like it is. Our, our diets are probably more expensive than if you cheaped out and did like a ramen-based diet or something like that. <laughs> so a lot of sodium. Yeah,
1: <laughs> your pumps would probably be nuts though, oh, with geez. all that sodium.
0: My new pre-pre gym meal just strict ramen. <laughs> it's just
1: the broth from the ramen. You just remove <laughs> the noodles and just drink straight broth of ramen. And you're like, oh, blood flow <laughs> with Himalayan salt added to it. Let's just make it super salty and hard to drink. But then all of a sudden, you're like, you get in the, like walking into the gym, you're all of a sudden getting a quad pump.
0: (laughs) You just already have a pump. Yeah. Yeah. Full body pump just from opening the car door.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For real, though. You put on your seatbelt and your chest is all of a sudden pumped up from the fly you just did. (laughs)
0: 100% trying this at the gym today. Um, But I, so that's kind of a point that I wanted to kind of identify. Like the difference between our descriptions. It's not that, we have a super varying different understanding of what protein is. It's just how we describe it, how we internalize it, and how we view it within our own diets. Um, so keep that in mind as you listen. So if you're uh, with the lifestyle side of things, then you know, obviously build an understanding of what your macros are, what protein, carbs, and fats are. But you probably don't need to go down the rabbit hole that Paul and his coach kind of go down well if you do get into bodybuilding world though that's (laughs) kind of a requirement yeah um so after uh after proteins um i figure we talk we'll uh identify what carbs are because uh like paul had mentioned earlier four calories a gram for protein on average and four calories a gram uh on average for carbs as well so it kind of goes hand in hand uh and it's the next number in the 40 30 30 split if you're thinking on that generalized number um, so carbs are um, basically where you get your energy from so that's why if you ever see the jokes about um, athletes prior to a big game or something just pounding alfredo or something like that like you're just it's, you're, you're you're building up your carb levels and it's also uh, Paul always sends me uh, the the joke about this. Um, whenever I send him a meal picture, uh, he'll be like, "Bro, where are the
1: carbs?" <laughs> yeah, because you every time you send me a photo, you never have the carbs in it. <laughs> where are the hell the carbs, bro? <laughs> Eat more carbs.
0: Uh, and carbs uh, again. They. Uh, they basically provide you your, your main source of energy. So protein helps rebuild the, the different muscles that you tear, mm-hmm. uh, and carbs will, um, allow you to have energy to tear those muscles. Um, so that's why even if you do a 40, 30, 30 split, if you are very physically active, so if that's gym four to five times a week, or if that's athletically you generally want to just have high carb levels because otherwise you're just going to feel like shit because you're just Mm -hmm. not going to have the energy to do what you want to do. We spoke earlier about the consistency behind... uh, If you have consistency with your meals, you'll have consistency with your energy in the gym. That's only true if you have consistent carbs. Um, We should have probably prefaced that because if you just have like a... (laughs) This isn't even possible. Hypothetically, if you had a 100% protein diet and nothing else.
1: That's carnivore for you.
0: you, Well, even carnivore has carbs, though. There's natural carbs within uh, meats. Well, that's why you go red
1: meats, typically, with the carnivore diet. Go ahead. Yep.
0: Yeah. So if you take a just absurdly high protein diet, you're just going to feel like shit because you're not having the consistent energy levels because you don't have the consistent carb levels that you should be having in such a strenuous uh regimen that you're putting yourself through um but that being said when you think about muscle loss or not muscle loss weight loss the big thing that you hear all the time is oh i'm cutting carbs like i'm I, i need to cut my carbs to watch my weight something like that and that's just because um with that energy level they obviously pack on some more so like if you ate nothing but that's the super cliche but watch the godfather and your italian dudes generally have a have a little bit of a belly just because you're eating pasta all day Uh and um obviously super stereotypical i'm not saying every italian has a big belly do not think that but if you if you ate pasta every single day you're gonna kind of i'm not gonna say bloat up because it's not bloating up you're just gonna you know bulk a little bit harder than everybody else because carbs uh pack on so um and possibly just like
1: glue it's very hard to digest
0: oh yeah um so when you think of uh a weight loss diet you're probably gonna have pretty low pretty low carbs um but just keep that in mind if you're a gym rat i mean obviously if you're listening to this you probably are um if you don't have consistent carb levels, and again, I'm saying consistent, I'm not saying high or low because whatever your goal is, is going to be what your carb levels are tuned towards. So that's why I say consistent. If you have consistent carb levels, you're going to feel better about yourself when you're in the gym and just in your average daily life.
1: Um, So
0: Paul, do you want to take your, uh, (laughs) your whirl of, of what carbs are?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll go off here. So Um, carbs are going to play a huge role in your energy because that's directly what affects your energy is your carbs. So your carbohydrate intake is going to, I mean, okay. So caloric intake, your calories is a direct measurement of energy. That's what calories are, is a measurement of energy. Um, carbs is what's going to give you really the energy that you need. Um, as far as like, especially fitness goes, the explosive energy that you need, uh, protein like in a carnivore diet or something like that. You, you have to kind of swap to essentially, in quotations, ketosis, which uses your fat as energy. So fat as energy is going to be a little more uh, consistent energy. It's not going to be super explosive. It's, it's better for just uh, general well-being for energy uses. I don't think you should be relying on ketosis 24-7 for uh, lifestyle goes or really any sort of fitness aspect essentially, unless you're cutting for a show or something like that. But the point is, what I'm trying to say is, Carbs is made up of essentially the energy for your body. It's it's going to be fibers, starches, and sugars, and it's going to directly affect what's called your BG or B blood glucose within your system. Your blood glucose directly measures how much actual sugars are in your blood system because glucose is sugar, uh, which is how plants survive. Plants use photosynthesis to build glucose, which is then used for energy and for you know actually just staying alive. So carbs, the way you need to treat carbs, is different from person to person for me i'm very very carb sensitive so for me taking then my amount of carbs is directly affecting how my body weight fluctuates so if i take in more carbs i'm going to put on more weight if i have less carbs i'm going to take off weight so for me it's kind of a double-edged sword because in one way it's great because i can put on weight and take off weight but at the same time if i'm not nailing my carb intake each day or like having something that like increases my carbs it's gonna directly affect my actual weigh in and the way my body looks overall so it's kind of a pain but the way you should treat carbs during your actual meal like plan as far as far as your phases goes um, something that I mean what I think I don't know if I talked to you about this Kristoff, yet is um, what you want to do when you're bulking, especially if you're doing on a pretty heavy bulk is you want to have fast digesting carbs so that you go into your next meal hungry. You don't want slow digesting carbs because you're going to be full for a longer period of time. Um, slow your dig-
0: overnight meal.
1: Yeah, slow digesting carbs are good for when you're cutting. Um, so like for instance, my first meal of each day now with my new plan is going to be oatmeal. So oatmeal is a very slow digesting carb. So I'm going to be more full for a longer period of time. Where if you're bulking and you're putting on a lot of weight, you're going to want to increase the actual fast-digesting carbs you're taking in. So for instance, that would be like rices, cream of rice, grits is pretty fast-digesting, rice cakes, stuff like that is when you want to really incorporate into your day uh, daily meals. Where, like I said, if you're cutting, cutting you want to have slow-digesting carbs or complex carbs is what those are called. So that's going to be like your oatmeal,s your sweet potatoes. Um, we're talking like casein protein, uh, stuff like that. So casein protein is a slow digesting protein. So I guess I couldn't say, really say that's like a carb, but that's what's going to keep you full for longer. Um, so the complex carbs is what's going to take longer to digest uh, where simple carbs is what they're called is going to be your, your sugars, your rices, stuff like that. That's going to digest really fast. Grits um, is something that I have before my workout every day because it digest really fast rice cakes is built off of rice, which is very fast digesting. If you want the fastest digesting carb it's arguably cream of rice, which is essentially just like rice, like uh blended down in a sense. So it's going to be extremely easy for your body to digest that, um, stuff that is, um, longer to digest is generally starches. Um, you know, that like the bread and pasta, like pasta we we're talking about earlier, the reason it, you, you put on more weight with pastas because it's so, so slow digesting. It's a very heavy starch and it's going to take a lot for your body to digest that. Um, you know, same thing goes for brown rice. Brown rice is very long digesting. That's um, a whole grain starch. Um, and then if you're eating like uh let's say like fruits or beans and vegetables and stuff like that, the, the carbs you're getting out of those are very slow digesting. Um, so to preface a bulk with or to build up a bulk with fast digesting carbs is going to make it that much easier for you to to bulk because you're not going to be going into each meal full as hell because you just ate you know 100 grams of oatmeal or something like that two hours earlier instead swap that to rice and it's going to be much easier to get into that next meal uh so that's the way that i kind of view carbs is uh complex versus simple carbs and then also the actual intake of carbs uh, typically within the, the bodybuilding world, what you see for like, um, let's say like a bulk, you're going to typically see either the equivalent of carbs and protein for calories or more carbs for calories than protein is. So like, let's say like you have 300 grams of protein, 300 grams of carbs and like 80 grams of fat. That's like probably like a lean bulk or something like that for someone. Um, granted that is a lot of carbs, but you increase those carbs to put on more weight. The protein typically doesn't fluctuate as far as bulking and cutting goes. It's typically the carbs and the fat intake that's gonna, that's gonna affect your bulk and cut. The carbs is the key point. This is the, this is the thing that's been debated for like decades upon decades is how carbs affects your actual fat of your body. Because back in like, let's say the sixties, they, everybody was arguing that fat was the reason that. Um, your body was putting on weight. So they took out fat out of a lot of foods and it was like fat-free this, fat-free that. And then they are putting in more sugars and carbs into meals where now it's starting to become the opposite where people are saying, oh, it's not the fats that's being added to your, that's being, making you fat, it's the carbs. And now you're seeing a lot more keto stuff, a lot of sugar-free stuff, a lot of carb-free stuff, stuff like that. But it, it's, you're gonna, it, it all just depends on calories at the end of the day as far as whether or not you put on weight or take off weight. And the, the general rule of thumb that we were talking about, the 40-30-30, is a good rule of thumb to see for whether or not you're going to put on weight or take it off. So you got to adjust that percentage based off of what you're going for. So carbs, typically for a lot of people like myself, who's very carb sensitive, is going to directly correlate to how my body responds to foods. off it takes a lot more carbs for your body to put on weight. So you have to put in more carb-dense foods. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, depending on who you are as a person and how your body reacts. So, um, it's, it's carbs are very, very complex thing to talk about because there's so many different diets against it. So many different diets for it. There's so many people who, who are against it, so many people who are for it. And at the end of the day, your body's going to react entirely different to carbs than somebody else. Um. Even if you get into like fibers, for instance, you know, your body is going to react completely differently to fibers than, than somebody else, you know, for instance, um, I, when I take fibers, all it does for me, like when I take extra fiber, all it does for me is it makes me hella gassy, but some people can take fiber, have to take fiber because their body doesn't go through bowel movements that easy and fiber helps them go through bowel movements on a regular basis. So fibers are also going to affect your body in a significant way. Um fiber you're gonna get from um different meals like brown rice, oatmeal, um breads and pastas, stuff like that. Uh also vegetables, fruits, nuts, beans, those are all gonna have fiber in them. The the very dense fiber you're gonna get from or from stuff is gonna be whole grain stuff. So whole grain brown rice, whole grain oatmeal, quinoa, cereal, um, well, quinoa and cereal, not quinoa cereal and mm-hmm. cereal and then also the the whole wheat breads and pastas it's gonna be very fiber dense unless you take a supplement uh, a, a, as a supplement which you know you gotta you gotta take it with a grain of salt because fiber is gonna affect your your body very differently from person to person. So something to keep in mind is just how your body reacts to carbs. So that's how I see it at least it's it's a very complex thing to talk about I can't just generalize carbs in, in a sense to, to really anybody but uh, carbs is, is the avenue that a lot of people have to take to put on weight, take it off, or adjust their energy throughout the day.
0: I think a good point you also brought up <clears throat> is the uh, fast-acting or fast-digesting carbs versus slow-digesting carbs. And when you're mm-hmm. on a um, weight increase or severe weight increase like I try to be on, um, fast-digesting carbs are the best because then you're able to want to eat more meals because we talked about essentially force feeding and how getting yourself to the point of almost throwing up from how much you're eating that can be tough if you're only eating slow digesting carbs because then you're just packing it on your body just doesn't feel like it can add any more but if you start eating those like that's why rice is just rice is the the skinny boys just dream because you can eat so much rice and If, if you ever say rice is boring, be a man, grow up and start cooking a different, like you can cook rice in so many different ways that is just so beneficial for you. Um, I never get sick of white rice that I'm just, I mean, we've talked about how crazy Paul and I are. So maybe the, maybe I'm a little bit cuckoo because I just never get sick of white rice, but, um, it's one of those fast digesting and I can eat rice for the, every single one of my meals and be fine with it. Like I even get to the point where I I cook probably probably close to 5 or 6 cups of rice at the beginning of every week just so I have a store of it ready to heat up like throughout the week cuz then you just have that's also why like those instant rice cups like are so popular um or having like those uh quick rice cookers all those are just so popular because if you can increase your intake of rice like that, it that's it's so beneficial because you can eat so much rice. And then you can, of course, then to add on all your different foods. Like, obviously, you want to be having some kind of meat in there, some veggies, stuff like that. But generally speaking, if you're on a um, weight increase regimen, you want to be um, throwing yourself some uh, fast digesting uh, carbs. Because that's just, it's its the way to do it. Um, obviously, the slow digesting one is very beneficial for overnight. So if you want to eat like, um, uh, wow, now I'm having a brain fart. Um, give me a, a slow digesting carb. Uh, oh, well, pasta yeah, and yeah, both both of which... Oatmeal is a good one, too. Actually, I love oatmeal. But uh eating that before bed is really good because that yeah. allows your body time to digest it during your resting period, which is when your body is rebuilding. So having any kind of... That's also why you heard Paul mention casein protein. Casein protein is the way to go before bed. I mean, that's only if you're buying the difference... Like, if you're buying whey and casein, like, separately, then casein before bed is way better than uh way before bed. Yeah. Um, just because yeah, it's slow digesting. Yes, yes. Um yep. so any kind of slow digesting is far more beneficial for your recovery time. Um so that brings us to our last macro. And again, I'll give you what the uh <coughs> excuse me. I'll give you what the Uh, lifestyle fitness side looks like and then paul will tell you the nerd side of things from (laughs) uh, how the body the bro science bullshit on my side (laughs) (laughs) um so just to give a quick rundown as a reminder uh protein is what helps you rebuild and repair your muscles uh carbs is your uh, main source of energy uh but the place that you actually store the energy is your fats um, that's kind of a very, again, very generalized, but how you store your energy is within your fat. Um, so if you have a high fat diet, which I'm not really seeing a benefit to, but if you have a high fat diet, uh, you're able to store a lot more energy. So if you think of a large person, for example they generally will have a considerable amount of energy just because they can store so much more within their, uh, I'm going to say their, their pe- their, uh, what's it called when you put, uh, the paper peanuts, um, inside of an Amazon package, uh, like packing a little packing peanuts. Yeah. Those yeah. things that I give a big person as having a lot of those inside of a, uh, package <laughs> because you're able to store just a, a fat is storing your energy. Um, obviously it has different, um, different benefits as well. Uh, another thing is if you see a person who has a lot of, or if they're a, you know, bigger person generally with a higher fat content within them, they generally can do far better in cold weather just because they're able to, you know, maintain a higher body temperature, uh, and consistently maintaining higher body temperature just because, uh, the fat levels uh within their body are the arguably the things maintaining that level um not arguably research backed <laughs> and so if it's your goal, I guess to survive in a cold climate and you want to do so uh with minimal clothing, I guess have a high fat diet, I'm not really seeing a whole lot of benefit to that, but I mean that's why um you'll see like just bigger people are just better suited for cold weather. Um, but generally speaking, um, blubber. (laughs) yeah, well, that's, that's exactly what it is, but that's, it's, it's blubber. Like, uh, seals, seals are just fat. That's all they are. Yeah. Whales
1: like, 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 uh, especially like sperm whales and whales that are in the Arctic oceans. They just build up tons of blubber to stay warm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's dead. So if you thought about eating a whale and you're going to be consuming a lot of fat, (laughs) um, But yeah. yeah. Um, so the generalized version is that it's how you store your energy. So you don't want to completely cut out fat. I don't want you to like when people hear the word fat, like I'm consuming fats, they a lot like the very stereotypical thing is, oh, I want to have no fats because that sounds like I'm gonna get fat. And that's not how it is. You do your body naturally needs fat levels. Um because Uh, You have uh, different nerve systems that require it. Um, We talked about our hormones, uh, the hormonal levels in the past. Uh, Those are somewhat regulated by fat as well. Um, So it's important to still maintain a fat level. Um, Don't think that when we talk about fats compared to carbs and proteins, you should cut them out because you're going to get fat because that's not necessarily how it is. Um, But Paul, would you like to take your your nerd side of things on this? <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: one thing I want to add to what you're saying about the whales and seals and all that is um, animals that hibernate, when they hibernate, uh, before hibernation, they eat tons of food so they can build up fats that their body uses to stay alive throughout hibernation. And also, real quick, um, a common misconception with hibernation is that they're sleeping. So like, for instance, bears go to hibernation for the winter. Um, they don't sleep. They stay awake. They're awake the whole time. They're just way toned down um, and barely moving so that their body uses, utilizes the fat. So when they go away and they're chunky and fat, when they come out, they're super skinny. Um, so that's kind of a good way of looking at fat is just like you said, the, the storage of energy. Uh, because when you have less food, your body's going to naturally use those fats to stay, to have energy. And um, the way it also works too is like if you're doing something um, endurance, like let's say like running a marathon and stuff, fats are very important um, because fats are what's going to give you that energy to run that long, long distance, um, whereas carbs are going to be more explosive energy. So for bodybuilding or weightlifting, carbs are more important than fats are as far as actual energy goes for the gym. But once you utilize the carbs that your body just recently digested when you go to the gym, your body starts using fats and that's when you start di- that's when you start really losing the weight. And that's where like cardio comes in. When you're doing cardio to cut weight down, you're using the fats as energy, especially when you're doing like fasted cardio. When you haven't, when you don't even have anything in your system besides like water, for instance, your body's going to use the fat to use for energy. It's going to use that fat for energy. So something to keep in mind, but the way you look at fats in the, in typically in bodybuilding, I mean, it kind of goes for a little bit of everything, but dietary fats has uh, a big role on your cholesterol, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, dietary cholesterol doesn't really affect your cholesterol the way people thinks it does, or think it do, um, or what the fuck the grammar, proper grammar <laughs> usage of that is think it do. Um, you went
0: full Yoda mode.
1: <laughs> yeah, for real. So, um, basically, fats directly affects your LDL, which is your bad cholesterol, and your HDL, which is your good cholesterol, especially when you're having like saturated fats um monosaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats those are all gonna affect ef- so polyunsaturated polyunsatur- fats aren't as bad as saturated or monounsaturated but um saturated and monounsaturated are going to directly affect your cholesterol buildup within your arteries and your your cardiovascular system so that's gonna be like your butters your daily your dairy products your cocoa butters um nuts oils stuff like that are all going to affect your cholesterol to a serious degree. Uh, So that's something to keep in mind is that when you have more fat, you're going to build up more cholesterol within your arteries and that can affect your LDL and your HDL. I have problems with my cholesterol. I think it just kind of runs genetically. My HDL ends up low. My LDL ends up high just outside the healthy range. Typically, whenever I get blood work done, it's usually like 39. um, I think it's, is it micrograms? I always forget. Or if it's nanograms, I forget what the measurement is. 39 nanograms per deciliter for HDL, where you're supposed to be 40 plus, And then the opposite for LDL. I always forget. I think it's 60 or something for LDL. You want to be lower than that. Um, but you want to have low LDL and high HDL. Uh, HDL uh, cholesterol is your good cholesterol. Uh, and then LDL is your bad cholesterol. Um, but you got you, when, you, when you eat fats, especially for, for nutrition and uh, for overall physique, the fats you want to aim for are stuff like, uh, like the occasional macadamia nut butter or macadamia nut oil, I mean, um, almond butter, um, fats from your meats uh, are generally decent for you. Uh, obviously, you want to keep that un- under control. The yolk from eggs is also a good fat source uh so that's the kind of stuff that you'll see in you know meal plans for me my fat sources right now are coming from let me pull up my my meal plan um they're coming from i have a couple choices for my fats depending on what it is avocado that's another good one avocado is a very good healthy fat for you um
0: avocado toast is such a good way to start the day too
1: yep macadamia nut oil um so my meal three i have a choice between avocado or macadamia nut oil i always go avocado i never go macadamia nut oil um and then my pre-workout uh is one tablespoon of almond butter and that's actually all the fat i have every day um but i'll say i'm leaning out so don't don't use this for a good uh you know um rule of thumb don't do what i'm saying but um, yeah, so almond butter is also a good source. It's easier to digest, excuse me, it's easier to digest than like, um, nuts goes. So your almond butter is easier to eat, easier to digest typically. Um, but nuts are, um, what's considered, uh, where was I looking at? Uh, it's considered, so nuts are mono fats, which, can be bad in the case of oils. You don't want to have an overabundance of oils uh, in your system, especially olive oil. Um, Canola oil is fine because it's typically zero calorie, especially when you take it in something like Pam. I use Pam for like uh, my cooking and stuff. Obviously you don't want to like have canola oil straight uh, or anything like that, but for cooking and stuff, canola oil is fine. I take
0: shots of oil.
1: Yeah, for real. Just inject olive oil directly to the bloodstream <laughs> if you want to build up your cal- or cholesterol. Um, But fats, which is actually funny because when you mentioned hormones, right then I was thinking about how it affects your hormones. So the way dietary fat uh, fats affect your hormones, it depends on how low fat you are. So when you're low fat, when you're we when you have a low fat diet, it's going to affect your estrogen and your progesterone. So that's going to be like essentially your sex hormones is what's going to be affected um, because cholesterol is what makes those uh, hormones. So when you have more estrogen, it's because you have more cholesterol, same with progesterone. Your testosterone is also affected by it as well because testosterone are made from uh, cholesterol as well. So fats directly affect your hormone levels. So you don't want to be anti-fat you don't want no fat in your diet you want to have a healthy amount depending on what you're going for um so for me right now excuse me geez what is wrong with me right now yeah i know i ran out of my my mugs empty i need more coffee um so uh when you're for me i supplement trt so that's testosterone replacement therapy i've taken about 150 milligrams a week which is just about like the upper end Probably of average for for guys as far as like actual total testosterone. So for me, I don't need to worry about that as far as my fats goes. But like, let's say I'm not taking in TRT or you know supplementing in testosterone at all, you need to really pay attention to your fats because when you take out fat entirely, uh, it's going to really affect your hormones. So um, it's something to keep in mind. There's no diet that's good for you that takes out fats entirely. Um, fats are also going to be naturally occurring in meats you eat. So um, when you eat steaks. Or eggs or chicken, it's all going to have a little bit of fat in it. So th- it's very difficult to take entirely take fats entirely out of your diet, if it's even possible. But um, when you look at uh, diets like keto, the keto diet, uh, it's going to be entirely focusing on fat. Obviously, you don't want to just like eat like straight peanut butter when you're on keto. But a lot mm-hmm. of the the problem that I have with keto is specifically that. It's not meant to maintain. You're not meant to maintain that diet for a long period of time. It's a tool to lose weight. It's a tool to, to utilize a fat that's in your body in order to trim down your weight and trim down your overall fat. So using your fat as your energy in what's called ketosis. So instead of using carbs that you eat as energy, you start using fats, which then trims it down. Um, the, the problem that I have with keto is just that it's it's preached as something you're supposed to do all the time when it's not really the, the case. Um, something that I preach to people that aren't necessarily in fitness, but just want to eat healthier. I recommend typically the paleo diet or something along those lines where it's going to be protein heavy, um, healthy fats and taking out processed foods in your diet, because that's really not what we're supposed to be having. We're not supposed to be having processed foods. And that's the problem that you see with like vegetarians, vegans, and people who are on, are on keto is that they're going to have highly processed foods um in order to get in the nutrients that they need so like you go to like a gnc vitamin shop neutral shop whatever the hell you're shopping at and you see the keto section it's going to be like the stupidest snacks it's gonna be like oh like like two net carbs from this pack of like like candy and it's like all fats it's just like straight fat and gelatin it's like bro this ain't good for you like you're not supposed to have this even though it's part of the keto diet in quotations you're not supposed to have that so you got to just – I always recommend fat from healthy sources, not from milk, not from cheeses, um, nothing like that. Uh, the av- avocados are phenomenal. They do kind of taste weird and have a weird texture, granted, but um, avocados are great. Um, certain oils, coconut oil, macadamia oils, those are good fats. Um, those are the kind of stuff you need to incorporate in your diet, not like these super high-dense-fat snacks that you get from these stores or um, – you don't want to drink, like, a gallon of milk with that whole, like, there's a whole, like, bro science. I forget what it's called. There's a whole bro science, like, a mm-hmm. diet where it's based off, like, a gallon of milk a day or some shit. You don't want to be doing that. You're, you're chlorine Do the, can- uh, What's
0: do that? the Anchorman meme where it's, uh, milk was a bad choice today. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, well, that's how they used to see it. It used to be, like, oh, fats are so bad for you, but, like, let's go ahead and chain-smoke cigarettes because that's fine. Um, that's how it was back in the 60s, you know, where... I think Anchorman takes place in the sixties, right? I always forget. It was just seventies, but that's how it was back in the day. Um, yeah, Anchorman's eighties, eighties. Uh, okay. Yeah. I always forget what decade it is. Um, but that's how it used to be. And I think it's kind of switching, which is nice to see because dietary fats are very beneficial. Um, to, an, to an extent, um, obviously moderation for everything we're talking about today is big. Uh, you don't want to eat too much of one particular thing, but, um, like for, for instance, like if you eat too much fats, you build up your cholesterol, you're also going to affect your insulin and you're also going to, there is found research of increased chances of, uh, cancer, heart disease, type two diabetes, arthritis, stuff like that, because you don't want the cholesterol to build up in your system. So, hmm. you know, you got to have that good balance of fats. Like we mentioned earlier, they're 40, 40, 30, 30 is a good balance of fats and just get it from good sources that I was mentioning the avocado or, you know, healthy oils, almond butter stuff like that. So you got to spend the money though. It sucks, but you got to eat, tend to eat healthy. You got to spend the money. I hate it. You also have to,
0: you also have to put in the time to do your research too. So we've talked about reading nutrition labels and how Paul and I might be like the only dudes in a supermarket who are sitting there reading every nutrition label before we buy something. But uh, you need to do your research to actually um, know what you're reading and know what you want to be getting out of your foods.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So- reading nutrition level is imperative. It's easy to learn and easy to maintain. Once you learn how to read it, you know how to read it for life. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, obviously like sports nutrition is another ball game because I'm still learning about different ingredients and like pre-workouts and protein powders and stuff that affect me. You know, like the alpha-yohimbine recently. I'm like, damn, I didn't even know fully what that did. And now that I'm not having alpha-yohimbine, I feel like my stomach is fine on leg like days. Like, it's just weird. So, sports nutrition is a whole other ballgame, but just general nutrition, the nutrition labels on those, just learn how to read that. It's, it's so- imperative
0: it's funny you brought up that pre-workout thing i'm gonna touch into that super briefly but i had a really interesting moment i uh i just had my tattoo finished yesterday and uh when i was at the uh tattoo shop i'm talking with the uh with the my guy who you know tattoos me and he uh told me that he had a he tattoos a lot in this area a lot of um you know jacked people so people who have lots of muscle um and he had this one guy who um, was, he came in and, you know, really ripped ass dude. And when he sat down to have his tattoo done, he kept bleeding. And they were like, for absurd amount, like for no reason. And, you know, sometimes you bleed a little bit. I don't bleed when I get tattooed. It's just me personally. But um, this guy was just bleeding. And uh, the tattoo guy was like, all right you're a gym person, like, let's figure out why you're bleeding so much, and the guy, it's, it's, I know how they came to the conclusion, but they determined that it was because he was taking his pre-workout every single day, so you just mentioned pre-workouts, and I'm not sure if this is them trying to just pin something on it, but their argument was that, because think about, like, with pre-workout, like, if it's a pump-heavy Uh, pre-workout, it's going to thin your blood a little bit to make it so your blood can flow a lot more. Um, And so that's the only argument I could really see for why he would be bleeding more is that his blood is thinned a little bit and therefore is flowing through like a small crevice easier. But essentially they were like, yeah, so because he was taking pre-workout every day, he bleeds more when he gets a tattoo.
1: Yeah, that's weird because I was thinking obviously his blood had to be thin. He had to be taking yeah. something that thinned his blood in order to bleed that much. I can't see a pre-workout really doing that. Not yeah. that I'm aware of like, cause they're like, Oh, don't take a scoop within 24 hours. That's just to cover the liability of the, um, the company that makes the pre-workout. But I can't think of a particular situation that would like actually make you bleed more during a tattoo. I mean, for me, I never really bled that much during my, getting my tattoos, but that's because he also didn't dig deep. In order to tattoo me, yeah. he just went slow. Instead of going hard, he just went slow in order to get the darker colors, but that's weird. I don't know. I'd have to look more into that because that's a very interesting situation. Yeah. Paul
0: and I are both tattooed, so we like... I mean, that's a pretty interesting topic for us. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's a potential uh, future episode. But uh, anyways, um, before we uh, close things out, I do want to um, kind of just run down what our daily intakes kind of look like just to give like very, very anecdotal data for the listeners. Um, So I'm just going to give a little rundown of what an average day looks like for me. If obviously you have like your plans and some different options. So you can, if you want, but I'm just going to share kind of what I got going on every day. But um, every morning I start the day with uh, oatmeal. Uh, It's just what I've gotten into a habit of, um, I do, <coughs> excuse me, um, Quaker Oats the, or the brand Quaker, whatever it's actually called the, uh, the Quaker brand for oatmeal. I do one of their little packets and then I throw on top of that, another half cup of, uh, oats on top of that. And I've said in the past, oats are the skinny boys heaven food because oats are just so fucking easy to eat and they pack so much inside of them. So, if you're if you're looking for weight gain, just buy a big tub of oats and just add it into everything. Um, so I do uh, a packet of oatmeal with oats, uh, and then a pure protein bar, uh, as well as uh, a couple cups of my coffee, and that right there already gives me um, five a little bit little over five hundred calories uh, from just my breakfast or my first meal, I guess you would say which is, you know, a good start for my day because I need a lot of energy for my day between my work and my workout regimen. And then you've heard Paul and I say that we don't like to say breakfast, lunch, dinner. We just number our meals. It's because we eat just a bunch of fucking meals. It's not that we're like ignoring breakfast, lunch, dinner. It's just we just don't qualify under those names. Um So then by the time I get to work, I'm having another protein bar um, as my second meal. Uh, And generally, I like to have some kind of fruit with that because fresh fruit is just so beneficial for your natural sugar levels, uh, your glucose levels, things like that. So it'll vary uh, depending on the season. Summertime, I like to do peaches. Um, By the time winter rolls around, it's normally a banana or an apple. Uh, If I'm doing banana, I'm probably doing two of them. Uh, But some kind of fresh fruit in the morning is very beneficial for you. Uh, So I highly recommend doing that. Um, By the time we get to what normal people would call lunch, uh, this is meal number three for me. Um, Well, I break up my lunch into meals three and meals four. So that's why I said earlier that my meals one through four are always the same. And so I know exactly how I feel leaving work every day um, because meals one through four happen at work. Um, but I look at a, uh, cup of rice and if you get big into the gym world, you are going to, and this is the first time I ever admitted this, this was one of the dorkiest things I ever said, but I have a favorite kind of rice. Um, so Jasmine rice for me is just my go-to. Um, you'll probably find a favorite kind of rice as you continue to experiment, continue to cook in different ways, try them out. Uh, but I do white rice. Right now, I used to do Spanish rice, um, so it's good to vary to vary between the two. Um, then I do uh, six ounces of chicken on top of that, and I cook that with a essentially a buffalo kind of seasoning and spread on top of it. Um, so I'm not just eating bland chicken. I know some people do it, but I, I need a little bit of uh, seasoning and saucing on top of it. Uh, And then, you know, need my vegetables, so half cup corn, half cup uh, broccoli. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Then, (coughs) I love yogurt. Specifically, uh, Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt's my go-to. But when you think of a good source of dairy, uh, yogurt is a pretty good one. But you also get, I'm going to call it clean fats from it. Um, You get a pretty good... Uh, level from the different yogurts. <clears throat> so I do a uh, a one of those little yogurt cups but it's the oiko's triple zero one uh, and then I also do some fruit uh, some yogurt covered fruit the dried fruit that uh, Paul and I had mentioned in an episode prior uh, and then top it all off with yet another protein bar and so all of that is my meals one through four because I kind of split up that into two different meals. <clears throat> and I know I just threw a bunch of foods at you. I'll, uh, <clears throat> we'll see if we can post this to the, um, to the blog so you guys can actually view it instead of just hearing us talk about it. But uh, that's essentially what meals one through four look like for me. Excuse me. <clears throat> there we go. Sorry. Like I said, Paul and I are both recovering from something right now. But um, meals uh, five and six for me get a little bit there's a little bit of variation um right now i'm cooking pasta so it's uh pasta with red sauce and then i can only really find 93 uh lean beef over here um 95 and higher is obviously where you want to go and again we've said in the past but you're gonna have to dish out because the leaner the meat the more expensive it's gonna be so you need to make sure to Uh, budget yourself accordingly. But uh, spaghetti with uh, red sauce and uh, beef is a great uh, pre-gym meal for me because it gives me my carbs uh, and I have a good energy level when going into the gym. Meal five always happens for me before I go into the gym, uh, supposing I stick to my late afternoon gym cycle, um, which is what I like to do. Uh, And then post-gym meal six for me is half a dozen eggs with a can of tuna. And that can be, that that is a gross meal for some people. It's sometimes when I get back from the gym, I don't look forward to it because it's just like, I don't know, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of tuna and also living in an apartment. If you don't ventilate your apartment, when you cook tuna, it's going to, the tuna smell will stick around for a little bit. So overall, that meal is a tough one, especially following a workout when I just want to go to bed. That's one of those moments when if you're a person with a high metabolism, you just have to force yourself to eat because otherwise you're not going to be able to achieve that caloric intake that you want to. Um, So all of that kind of combines into what my day looks like if I'm not if I'm not feeling like I've hit a good um, level after that, which generally, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel pretty good about myself if I stick to that uh, meal routine. Uh, But if I feel like I need more, um, I do sometimes take supermass gainers, which uh, that is a whole thing in itself. But essentially, your protein brand probably produces one, but it's just a protein powder that you scoop like half the tub into a little fucking into a little jar when you blend your uh, protein. And it's super thick. It's disgusting as all hell to eat, but you get just tons of protein. protein levels ton there's a decent amount of carbs within it a lot of carbs uh yeah a a lot of carbs a lot of carbs but something you have to watch out for super mass gainers is most of them will have very high sugar levels and depending on what your diet looks like to that point that might just put you over the top and you don't want that because sugar just i mean it helps for your glucose levels but outside of that sugar is not great for your diet at least in high levels so making sure to um, making sure to properly, uh, accommodate for that. Um, but for the most part, that's what my diet looks like. Um, I don't know if you want to share yours, Paul, but, um, that's kind of what I'm looking at.
1: Yeah. I mean, what's different about bodybuilding, I feel like just like, this kind of like unspoken rule that you don't really talk about exactly what you eat. Um, especially when you're prepping for a show and stuff, because it, it, I feel like it kind of, it's very unspoken. I've never really heard anybody talk about it, but nobody ever shares what they're eating um, when they're cutting for a show. Right now, it's not that big of a deal um, for me, so I'll share what I eat, but when you talk to someone who's cutting for a show, they'll almost never tell you what they're eating. Um, unless Do you, you know what that so- is? What's that?
0: Do you know why that is?
1: I think it comes down to competition. I think that, um, obviously, everybody who is in bodybuilding knows that their body reacts to different foods differently, but I think that it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a competition thing. I think that they don't want anybody to know like what they're eating and have them incorporate that and take them, you know, have them use that food to get them to the next level, especially when it comes to like protocols, like like drug protocols. No, I don't think I know I can think of a single bodybuilder that are, like really talks about what they're using to cut. They only ever talk about it when they're retired. So like Johnny Shreve is one of the YouTube video YouTubers I watch who used to be bodybuilder. He was pro. And he talked about what he would use to cut for a show, but he doesn't, he doesn't compete anymore. I don't think he talks about, I don't think he would have talked about that if he's still competing. So with that being said, right now it's not that big of a deal. Um, But cutting for my show next year, I kind of want to keep that to myself and kind of just do my own thing. But right now in the morning, so I have six meals a day. Um, I have a couple of egg whites with 40 grams of oatmeal. This is my new meal plan. Um, and a quarter teaspoon of pink Himalayan salt and the egg whites. Then I go meal two is six ounces of chicken breast with six spears of asparagus. Um, meal three is six ounces of chicken, 2.8 ounces of avocado with one cup of vegetables. A cup of vegetables is either spinach, kale, cucumber, or asparagus. Um, meal four is 60 grams of grits one tablespoon of almond butter, six ounces chicken breast, another quarter teaspoon of Himalayan pink salt. Meal five, which is post-workout, is six ounces chicken, 2.6 ounces jasmine rice. On my rest days, I take out the almond butter and cream of rice on my pre-workout meal and just do four ounces of sweet potato. And then my post-workout, I take out the jasmine rice and just just do a tablespoon of almond butter on my rest days. And the meal six is seven ounces, top sirloin and one cup of vegetables, which is the same as the spinach, kale, cucumber, or asparagus. So that's what I'm taking in right now. So it's very, very heavy protein. I've taken about just about two pounds of meat each day. Um, and then not to mention the cup of egg whites, the way I do the cup of egg whites, instead of using a measuring cup, I just do 200 milliliters, a uh, cup of egg whites measures out to just about 200 milliliters of uh, egg whites itself. So, you know, measuring one cup. I put that on my scale and it came out to 200 milliliters. So I was like, all right, let me just do 200 milliliters. So that's what I do is 200 milliliters every day. The teaspoon of pink Himalayan salt is huge for pumps, for blood flow, uh, vasodilation of your actual blood vessels and uh, arteries and veins and stuff like that to increase the size of them. But um, so when I have carbs is going to be meal one with the oatmeal. Meal four pre-workout, which is going to be grits, 60 grams of grits. And then post-workout, which is 2.6 grams of jasmine rice. That's it. So, I mean, I I probably – he doesn't – my coach doesn't really write down the, the actual nutrition levels of everything. But from what I can tell, it's probably really no more than like um 100 gram. I mean probably like maybe 100, 120 grams of carbs a day. I have to do the math on everything. Um, because 40 grams of oatmeal doesn't necessarily equate to 40 grams of carbs. So I'd have to do the um, exact measurement, but I think in the ballpark of like a hundred grams, maybe 120 at the most of, of carbs. And then obviously I have daily supplements, um, KSM 66 ashwagandha, um, before bed glucadrine, which is a GDA fish oil multivitamins probiotics, day daily meal one and six, and digestive enzymes every other day after meal three um, is my supplements currently. Um, and then also for me, I have approved toppings for food. Um, so basically just like no calorie seasonings and sauces and stuff like that. So like mustard is really like the only approved sauce pretty much, um, and hot sauces. Obviously, I can do hot sauces as well just because it's so low calorie. Um, on top of all of that, I do... Um, five total L I S S, which is low intensity cardio for 30 minutes uh, each session. So five sessions of 30 minutes. Um, I either do that fasted or I have a meal or I do it after I eat my post-workout meal. So I go to the gym, come home, eat, then go do cardio. Um, I'll do it. You typically do it fasted, but I'll also do it on occasion after my workout. Like today I'll do it after my workout because I didn't have the time to do it fasted in order to record today's session. So I'm going to do it after my workout today. So that's what my meals look like right now. Obviously, that's going to vary from person to person and don't use what I eat. Don't you know make your meal plan based off mine. It, this is what's resulted from over two years of working with my coach and knowing how my body reacts. Uh, when I first started work, working with my coach, it was very, um, very fish and beef heavy. Um, I had bison, a lot of bison, a lot of salmon, stuff like that. But we've gotten to the point now where we know exactly how my body reacts to chicken, how my body reacts to steak, stuff like that. So I have a very chicken-heavy meal plan um, versus a very like a beef or salmon-heavy meal plan. I do have the option to have salmon for meal six instead of sirloin, but I'm much rather steak than salmon personally, um, especially for the smell. Like you mentioned, the tuna smell, f- the fish smell in my apartment just does not does not work. So um, hmm. I just don't really want to torture my wife with that. Um, so for me, sirloin is definitely the way to go, way to go. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely got to get on top of my supplements. I definitely, I need more soon. I, I got to get a GDA again. I ran out. I got to get more of that. I got to get more multivitamin. I'm almost out of my multivitamin. Yeah. I need a supplements is really where like, I, it's so hard for me to spend the money on it. Like it freaking sucks. Like having to buy, like, like I hate buying creatine. I hate that shit. Like Mm -hmm. I feel the difference with it, I guess, but it's like, I hate buying it. Same with like GDA and stuff. It's like, I hate because it's so expensive. It's so fucking expensive. It's like, like Glucadrine is a GDA. It's one of the best on the market, but it's like $40 for a whole month. It's ridiculous. And it's like, I'm so strapped with money lately with like the wedding last month. And then now it's the holidays coming up and having to travel up there in a a couple of weeks like that took a lot for me to pay the plane tickets. So it's, it's not an expensive sport to compete in. Let me tell you. (laughs)
0: Mm-hmm. And you brought up a really important thing. Like we both just shared kind of what our days look like, but Paul has a coach that helps him do it. And I have yep. just tuned mine down to a point from my own personal experience. So yep. if you try our meals. It probably won't work for you because you have to figure out what works specifically for you. Trial and like, error. Exactly. Or if you have a coach have like, I, I mean, actually, no, even if you have a coach, it's still trial and error. Yeah. So, excuse me
1: yeah it's very much figuring out how your body reacts to things that's what your coach does and he obviously has a lot of expertise especially when it comes to hypertrophy for for shows and stuff like that so um i got my weekly weekly weigh-ins i give him my levels of um, hunger between each meal uh i give him notes on how you know my how i felt throughout the week how my training went stuff like that i also send him occasional videos of my training and he kind of tweaks my form a little bit um so there's a lot more it's a lot more in-depth with a coach but it's also for a reason for me to compete, to compete because I don't have the experience or the experience or the expertise in order to compete from my own knowledge, you know? So that's where I'm at at least.
0: Yeah. So uh, as a whole, just continue to uh, try things. If it doesn't work, <laughs> if something we listed today doesn't work for you, don't keep forcing it because you think it work. Like if it's going to work for us, it's going to work for you. Like if it doesn't work, Mm -hmm. scratch it and try something else um so i think that's really just a very important part of what we do here like a lot of what we talk about on this show it is going to i mean we share so much anecdotal data and that's because it works for us but it might not work for you so continue to try different things and put yourself out of your comfort zone um but overall guys continue uh listening we're here every single sunday we enjoy making this content for you continue to bring us things that you want us to talk about and we will uh see you guys next week yes sir all right bye everybody see ya